you ready to organize your amazing ideas into a powerful book? It's time to write your book. Welcome to the Write Hour, nonfiction tips from the Write Coach. And I'm Joyce Glass, your host. I am so glad you joined me today. Welcome to episode 205 of the Write Hour. Today we're going to explore a little bit different side of the writing world. We're going to talk about journaling, storytelling, and the importance of self-care for you as the writer. My friend Kelly Snyder has worked as a special event professional for 20 years. She also has a unique and involved personal history of trauma, tragedy, and resilience. Through exploring her own story on a journey of healing, Kelly recognized the impact our experiences can have on those who hear them. This provided the spark she needed to develop both her Epic Exchanges podcast and the Power of Story conferences in an effort to find a way to give each person an opportunity to share their own experience in a positive, life-changing way. So today, I want you to think about your story as you listen to this episode. Welcome, Kelly Snyder. I'm so glad you're here and that you have joined us. And I want to hear a little bit more about your journey into writing and storytelling. Could you tell us a little bit about how you got started and what brought you to the point that you're at now? Sure thing. And thank you for having me here, Joyce. You're welcome. Growing up, um, I discovered journaling probably more in my late teens. For me, it started out as a way to record things that had happened and what I thought about them. You know, typical teenage stuff like, oh, I like this boy or, (laughs) you know, I'm going to dance tonight. (laughs) But also a way to remember the special and difficult moments and times. Uh, About 12 years ago, I was going through a particularly stressful time and learning to take care of myself probably for the first time. And I picked up a journal to help me process all the thoughts and emotions that were swirling around in my head. And it quickly became something I actually carried with me everywhere I went. I would sit down somewhere with a coffee or just even for rest and I'd pull out my notebook, start writing. I would write everything from recording parts of my day like I started to taking notes on talks I had heard or books I had read, anything new I learned. And then it helped me also in writing through things I remembered from my early life. I had some early tragedy in my life that, in that I was rescued from a house fire that killed my parents when I was three. And by using my writing to go back to that time, and this is also on the advice of a counselor to basically talk to that three-year-old self Mm -hmm. or to that same self at different ages when I remembered specific moments in my life or specific difficult times, what would I say to that little girl? I started to understand so much more of my own story and all the pieces pretty much started to fit together. And as I was discovering all of these things about myself, I actually naturally started sharing more with my friends and those close to me. And I started to started to discover the power of our stories to not only inspire and and encourage others, but also to transform and heal ourselves. And that's why I find journaling in particular so powerful. Definitely. I I can agree. Journaling is very healing. It really helped me. Um, Just when I went through some baggage after I had my son, I was just kind of processing my life and some things that had happened. And that's actually how I came into writing was I started journaling and realized I really liked this. And I really liked self-help books. I was big into that at that time. And I thought, oh, I should write some. And so I started writing some short stories and things like that. So journaling definitely is healing. So did you find writing to that little girl a, a healing? Did you, in your own self as an adult, were you able to find that healing? Definitely. I would say it's still a process, though. I think that we always have things we need to work through. And journaling definitely helps that. But some of the big stuff, it definitely helped me talking to that little girl from an adult perspective. 
Mm -hmm. And even just busting some of the myths that that little girl had grown up with. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're, <clears throat> for instance, when your parents die there and at the age of three, any parent knows what a toddler's like and the way they, they think of cause and effect and everything's, the world is all based around them. So anything that happens is because of something they did or didn't do. And that three-year-old me always felt like I did something wrong or there was something missing in me that they left. And that's so not the case. But through journaling and through talking to myself at three as an adult, I was able to find some of that self-esteem and self-worth that mm -hmm. I think had been missing for a long time. Yeah, that is, that is hard. I couldn't imagine um, going through that. It would be hard, it, you know, because you're still developing and you had your parents for such a short time that you know children even at any age even adult children when they find out their parents want to get a divorce it's our innate nature to feel like we did something to cause it you know it, when we may have nothing to do with it exactly <laughs> most of the time is the case most of the time it's the children has nothing to do with the problem it's just an adult problem that's happened whether it be you know death of parents or a divorce or an affair or they're fighting you know whatever <laughs> it but yeah. children, children take that on it's a normal thing and of course now as adult knowing that it's easy to see why you would three would think that so totally and yeah it made a ton of sense as the adult me looking back and it, it like i said it actually did so much healing inside that I can't even remember who I was before that. Right. If that makes sense. Right. When, and you tell me if this was true for you, journaling helped me figure out who I really was and what I really believed. You know, I'm a spiritual person and I know you are too. And I feel like journaling helped me visually see where I had been. And then I was like, okay, well, who do I really want to be? do I want to be this person or do I want to be this person? I want to say who I want to be, not just career, but emotionally, you know, do I want to be the person that's always shouting and yelling and mad and angry? Or do I want to be the person that responds in kind, you know, that kind of thing. Exactly. And journaling really helps me kind of, I call it a brain dump. When exactly. I, I hold so many thoughts and emotions and everything inside me and, and being able to put it down on paper helps me untangle everything that I'm struggling to make sense of. Definitely. And sometimes it might just be a release of emotions, but sometimes it's a way to take some of the stress and tension off my shoulders. And sometimes it turns into something completely different where I start writing poetry or something more creative. Mm -hmm. It's a great outlet. Definitely. And it is scientific that when we release those things through writing, because we, we dump them, like you said, out of our brain, it frees our brain to come up with other ideas or to process things. Because if you're trying to process something and you've got all these jumbled thoughts and you just leave them hanging up there, you can't process it because the new creative thoughts can't come in. And when you release those thoughts out, it allows you then to see more clearly the situation. You can look at it a little more objectively because you've got it on paper and you're like, well, am, did I really see that as it is or am I interpreting it because of my own issues? You know, I don't have self-confidence. So I think somebody said something as a snide remark when really they were just having fun. They were not meaning anything hurtful, but I took it as hurtful because I'm hurt. You know, you, it's that whole, um, what they say, like lighting a match, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if the, yeah. if the gasoline's right there, it's going to fuel it. If it's far away, it's not, you know, so it goes out quickly and it's just being able to see things in perspective. I think getting some objectivity and seeing them in perspective, but yes, definitely brain dumping is definitely huge which kind of leads us into our next question you've answered this some but just go ahead and, and elaborate some more why are you power passionate about journaling and 
what has helped you? How has it helped you? And you've, you've mentioned some, but if, is there any other things that has ways it's helped you? Well, I think the biggest way that it helps me is like I said, it, it helps me make sense of things that I'm struggling with. And part of that, as you touched on is the putting it down on paper and, and I do journal on paper. I like, I have a collection of notebooks that I keep and I, I'm drawn to them in bookstores. I probably have five waiting to be written in, but there's also something about writing things out by hand that makes a bigger connection in your brain as well and helps you work through things. And that to me is huge. I've tried journaling on a computer and it just doesn't do as much for me. And, and in, in fact, I actually can't be as creative on a computer. But the biggest way it's helped me is helped me realize that I have value on the self-esteem side, but also that my story can help someone else, can be, inspire someone else, and it's, it's helped me kind of determine what my story is. And really, the more I write, the more I find the growth and the transformation in it. And that's the inspiring part. Definitely, definitely. And as for writing paper, digital, it's funny you say that. Uh, and I know the, a lot of people love the paper, but I think faster than I can write. So it frustrates me to write. So I type and I have an iPad, mm -hmm. and maybe because the iPad's smaller, I have a keyboard to my iPad, that it feels a little more like a notebook, you know, so that I, but I can type faster than I can write. So I just sit there and, and type it out. I have a, and I love that I can password protect it. Nobody can pick it up and look at it. That's true. <laughs> I do live alone, so my, my journals are pretty private. <laughs> Because there's some things in my journals, I'm sorry, I don't want anybody to know, not even my husband. <laughs> it's between me and Jesus, and if I, if I want anybody to know, I'll tell you. Uh, but Very true. There is that added bonus of the digital form. Yes, yes. So, but anyways, um, what do you believe is the power of story? You talk about the power of story, and you have a conference about it. What do you believe is the power of story? Well, as I got more in touch with my own story, and I guess more importantly, as I touched on with the ways I had grown and changed and the good things that my life trials had actually brought into my life, right. I started to realize that our stories make us more relatable. It's yeah. not until we share our story that we can really connect with people in an authentic way because we spend so much time comparing ourselves to those curated social media lives of all of our friends and acquaintances mm -hmm. that feeling less than for each one of us seems to be becoming more of an epidemic. And then just look at the world today. Every, it's so divisive. There's so many things going on. People are turning on each other. Neighbors are turning on each other. And I've discovered that when we share what's really going on for us, really sharing our story, what we struggle with becomes less important because we realize that we are more the same than we are different. Mm -hmm. So if I am talking, sharing my story about low self-esteem, no matter what my situation, because not everyone was orphaned at age of three, obviously. So people might not be able to relate to that, but they're going to relate to struggling with self-esteem or any of the many ways that I dealt with that or have dealt or right. have learned from that. Or even loss, loss of any kind. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's universal. We've all lost something or someone dear to us at some point. And if you haven't, you will eventually <laughs> Yeah. as you age, because it's just a part of life. And so you know, that, that, like you said, that is very relatable then for people to connect with you and connect with each other. Yeah. And at, I did a conference last fall in Vancouver and I had a 10 year old girl share her story about being bullied and everybody can relate to that in some way, whether they were a bully, the victim of bullying or continue to be as adults. We don't often think of that, but it happens in the workplace. It happens in friendships. Oh, yeah and friend groups and just someone speaking up helps shine a light on it so we can break down the walls that are dividing us and make us 
like I said, realize that we're more the same than we are different. Correct. So why is self-care important for writers? This kind of goes in line, the lines of journaling. I feel like journaling is a part of self-care because that's exploring a part of yourself uh, that, you know, just kind of knowing and tapping in where you are emotionally, knowing where you are emotionally, because I didn't do that for a long time because I was busy. I was working, going to school. I got married young. And so until I had my son, my life was like 90 to nothing most of the time. Yeah. A lot of people's lives are that way. You know, if you have two or three kids that are really close in age, you don't have time to really think about your emotions sometimes. And, but you do need to try to slow down and take a few minutes here and there and do that because for your own sanity, <laughs> just to know. Definitely. It doesn't necessarily have to be journaling, but journaling is a great way. It could be, you know, talking, it could be just exercising and thinking about things, you know, just processing the day, the months, the years, whatever may be on your mind. So. Yeah. It's so easy to get caught up in the schedules that we make for ourselves. And I would say particularly for writers, because so many of the people I know who are writing are doing it in those extra hours of the day. They're getting up early in the morning or they're staying up late at night after everyone else has gone to bed or all the social media stuff dies down and they're looking for those quiet hours. But when we do that, we sacrifice sleep, time with those we love, and sometimes even proper fueling and nutrition. And for a while, we can keep things working just fine. And we don't notice that maybe it takes us twice as long to do something. We can't focus as well. Our gas tank is basically running on fumes. Mm -hmm. And when we get so focused on those schedules and our to-do lists and our goals and the long list of things that we can be put it doing and putting our attention into, including laundry and cleaning the bathroom and <laughs> doing the dishes. You know, those things just don't go away. But then we can't. I wish we could wave that magic wand. I am still waiting for my fairy. I, want, I know. I want the every, day, every morning, I hope <laughs> that it's all clean. <laughs> but when we, when we do that and we don't take the time for self-care and doing those things that refill our tanks, we, can, we can't actually be fully there for anyone for our kids, our spouse or partner, our friends, families, and most importantly for ourselves. And you know, there's that whole thing that they say on airplanes that you put your own oxygen mask on first before helping anybody else that needs help. Because if we don't take care of ourselves, we won't actually be able to help take care of anyone else. And so I kind of look at it as, for me, my three main priorities for self-care are sleep, (laughs) because I think we underestimate how much we need sleep to be able to function at our best level. And, you know, there is actually research out there that says that driving sleep deprived is equally or even more dangerous than driving drunk. Yes. And so if you would not get in a car when you've had a couple of drinks and drive your family home, you shouldn't be doing that on two hours of sleep. Right. So that's huge importance. Number two for me is actually enough time away. I like to call myself an extroverted introvert. I love connecting with others, particularly on a meaningful basis. And I don't do small talk very well, but I can totally handle myself at a social event or with networking. I just don't like it. Right. Uh, But I do need significant downtime on my own and or in nature in order to recharge. I love the ocean. I love the mountains. Mm -hmm. Those to me totally fill me up. Yes. I'm right there with you. Right there. And then my third thing is finding and doing the activities that bring joy, whether it's journaling, maybe you're an artist and you like to paint or craft or make music. Maybe it's exercise for some people. Uh, Could very well be reading into a really good novel and having that time to escape. Or it could also be going to a spa and being pampered. Whatever it is that helps you recharge your batteries and get really get in touch with who you are at your core and what matters to you. That to me is invaluable. And I do a mixture of some of those things, music, journaling, 
a getaway to a mountain cabin, huge mm -hmm. draw for me. <laughs> yeah, I love that idea. I love the mountains too. We're going to have to meet up the mountains somewhere. So tell me your Sounds good. top three priorities again. What were they? Sleep? They are sleep. Enough time away or on your own. That's for me though. Not everyone is right. needs that downtime. Maybe they fuel up by being in those social situations. <laughs> and then finding and doing those activities that bring you true joy. Mm -hmm. Those are great. And I have to say, I am very extroverted too, as most people will know. That, I mean, you can know me for about five minutes and figure that out. <laughs> um, but I am the same way. I need that time alone and away. So I learned last year when I went to this writer conference that I went to this year too, um, I just happened, I couldn't get a roommate and it worked out. It was fine. I was like, you know what? The room wasn't that big anyways. It was great. I really enjoyed having the room to myself. So I made a point this year. I mean, there was a couple of people that needed roommates. I'm like, I'm sorry. I got to have my downtime because it is so intense. I mean, you're learning, learning, learning. You're taking all this information in and you're talking with all these people. So you're taking in all lot of new. So by the end of the day, my extroverted self wants to curl up in a ball and go to sleep. You know? And I want quiet. Yeah. And I want to like take in all this information. And that's what I did this time is I actually journaled some while I was there. I had talked to some agents and I got some ideas for my book and I journaled those thoughts while I was there so that I wouldn't forget them. And that's huge. And then sleep is another thing, which I'm totally with you. And I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or not. And for those of you that don't know, I'm not ashamed to say I'll leave 48 in September. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, as I've aged, I, you know, I used to five, six hours sleep. I could still function pretty good. I can't get my butt out of the bed after six hours. I'm like, I, there is a couple times, like I can do it if I have to like got a deadline or, or an appointment I need to do or something I need to get up and do. But I have to get my at least seven hours of sleep. My body's like, nope, we are not moving. <laughs> you know, and my husband is one that has trouble sleeping. I don't have, I have trouble getting enough sleep. <laughs> I, I can't get to bed early enough and stay in bed as long as I like kind of thing. Cause I'm always doing something. And so sleep is definitely huge. And so I've made that a priority. You know, I make sure that I get at least seven hours of sleep. If I have to only six and a half, I'll, I'm good. But seven's got to is, is like key for me and you know for different people it's different things and um i cannot think of the lady's name who runs huffington post but she wrote a book about oh yes um, in her book thrive ariana huffington yes she writes that most people actually need eight hours of sleep mm -hmm. and that seems ridiculous to most of us because we're reading all of these things about oh you can do it on five hours of sleep but I know it's if I have for your body, it's not good. For no, your brain. it's not good for lots of reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And I know if I have a night where I have less than six hours of sleep the next day, I, by five o'clock, I am crashing. Yep. That's me. I need it. I need to lay down and rest, even if it's like 30 minutes, just so my body can like rejuvenate enough to make it the next couple hours <laughs> to finish out. The day. Exactly. So yes, sleep is huge. Um, time alone even if you are extrovert i think even the most extroverted extrovert still needs time alone you know that that recharging because you gotta fill yourself up again to be able to give and share exactly and then what was your last one you said the, the finding activities that bring you joy activities that bring you joy now this is interesting because I do so much creative work. I, you know, I'm either editing or writing myself because I, you know, I coach writers and I write myself. By the end of the day, I don't want to do anything creative. <laughs> the most creative thing I want to do is go sit in my chair. And I like, now I love vegging on Netflix or I, I'm reading a novel right now. And um, thank you, Stephen James, for freaking me out before I go to bed at night. So, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be sleeping when I have... When I read a novel like that, like it used to be John Grisham novels, 
I would close the book, turn out the light, and 20 minutes later, I'm thinking about it. So I'm tur- I turn back on the light. I'm like, I'm just going to read another chapter. And then half an hour has gone by. And I do the same thing over and over until the book's done at three o'clock in the morning. Like, mm-hmm. I just can't let it go, especially if it's suspenseful. Yes. Well, and his hit is suspenseful. I haven't gotten to the intense suspense yet, but he has just some freaky things in it. Like, one of my greatest fears, if anybody wants to scare the stew out of me, just throw a snake at me. You'll see me screaming and running. <laughs> you know, if it's a garden snake, I might figure out, but it'll still make me scream and run. Um, but he has snakes in a, and then just other things. And I'm just like, really, this is not what I, and so I had to do my Mary Poppins last night because I was like, okay, we're going to think happy, pretty thoughts. <laughs> yeah. To take my mind because <laughs> I like the story and that's when I have time to read is right before bed. And it's like, dang, I might need to read this during the day. <laughs> it's but, one of the reasons I can't read or watch horror. Yeah, I don't. And this isn't horror, but there it's just, um, like I said, there's, it's a part of the story. I won't, I don't want to give it away, but, um, in case anybody's reading it, they'll figure it out. Um, what I'm talking about (laughs) is just there's snakes involved and I do not like snakes Uh. at all. Like little girl had a phobia of snakes, like thought they were under my bed and crawling on my bed kind of phobia, you know, like (laughs) I'm impressed you're still reading it then. (laughs) Well, cause that might've made me put it down for good. Well, I was like, okay. I thought he was done talking about the snakes when I started reading last night and I was good. There was nothing until I, like I got to a good stopping point and I said, well, let me just flip and see how the next chapter starts. And he starts talking about the stupid snakes again because the guy's dreaming about them. And I'm like, really? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Steven. (laughs) Maybe he's just trying to help you get over that fear. Doing good. Well, it's one of those, if they're outside where they're supposed to be, I'm okay. If they're on my porch or in my house, that is not good. <laughs> I wouldn't like them inside my house either. No, no. I don't know anyone that would unless they're keeping one as a pet. And and those people are cuckoo to me. <laughs> oh, I'm with you there. <laughs> if you like snakes, sorry. I'm not a reptile person. I want fuzzy little soft animals like my little dog. You know, I, I am with you. I don't want reptiles for my pets. So, but anyway, so self-care priorities, make sure your priorities are in whack and try to help, you know, keep them a priority, make sure you keep them and figure out which ones are, yeah. for you. you know, I feel like sleep is a huge one for a lot of people in some, and I know a lot of people have trouble sleeping and you just got to figure out what works for you and, you know, if you need to see a doctor about it, see a doctor about it. If it's really hindering your ability to sleep, but make sure that that, that is um, important. So tell me a little bit about your writing routines. You have a certain time you like to write a special place or do you just kind of write when you can? What's your writing routine like? So lately, most of my writing has been for my podcast mm-hmm. and I do it mostly at home or in coffee shops in the morning. I grab my coffee, I do my research, my note-taking, and then my writing and editing and rewriting. (laughs) And then I go home to record. (laughs) But uh, something I haven't been doing as much lately and that I've really been feeling the need to get back to is more of the free writing. And I love to do that at the beach. Mm -hmm. And I'll start by grabbing a coffee always in the morning and I drive to the beach near where I live. It's about 10 minute drive and I can just let the thoughts flow through my pen to the page as the waves roll in. I feel like I get more in touch with what's really going on with me, my emotions and I can get deeper. And then there's always the book that's been on my list for someday. And I'm sure you hear this a lot. I think that when I decide that the time is now, that I'll probably want to head to a cabin, either on the ocean, on a river, in the mountains, something like that for a few weeks. Because I feel like I need to have less of the day-to-day distractions that we've already talked about, the laundry, the dishes, the chores around the house. Uh, But I also really need that peace and tranquility of nature to help keep me grounded and in touch with really what's important and what I want to say, because my book will be a nonfiction book. It'll be more 
based on the power of story and with my story. I've been thinking about it. You can tell. <laughs> so definitely. And I, you know, I'm working on a novel, and I've mentioned that a couple times here on the podcast. And this week, I have started some free writing with it. I've done some before, but I've, this week I had some like really good, fun free writes. Like one was a scene, the idea that I had, and it was so fun doing it because I learned some different things. I thought, oh, what if that happened? You know, and it was one of those. That's a good idea. And then the next day, I was like, well. I don't know if I want that character to show up that, at that point in the story or not, you know, but it gives me right. something to think about. And then that asking some questions. So I'm, I'm reading a book called the 90 day novel by Alan Watt. So if anybody's in, interested in that and it, he's the one that inspires these, he, he wants you to do stream of consciousness to kind of get into the world of your story. And I love that idea because I've had this idea for almost two years now but I haven't fleshed it out and this is helping me flesh it out. And now like for the past six months, I've been wondering who my bad guy is. I shouldn't be longer than that. Almost eight or nine months. <laughs> I'm like, who really is my bad guy? And so I'm really close. I've got an idea who my bad guy is. And then there's a twist as to who's involved with the bad guy too. And it was like, Ooh, cause mine is going to be suspense. And so the having, I want a lot of twists and turns in there that, when people are reading, they're going, oh, no, or where did she come from? No way. You know, I want that reaction. So I, those I, are the best ones because you don't, you're not predicting the ending in the first three chapters. Exactly. Because it keeps you guessing. Exactly. I, I love that. I want that. And, you know, do you ever watch Blacklist? Have you ever seen that? I haven't. It is on my list of binge worthy shows when I decide it's time to binge again. <laughs> Well, it is good because of the, the stories. It's, you know, I've watched a lot of, you know, NCIS because my husband's into all those. And I got into NCIS and, you know, there's CSI and all those other shows that are similar to that. And I'm figuring this would be that, that way. Blacklist is the first show in a long time that, like, I literally gasped when some things happen. Like, <gasps> no. <laughs> or it, like, something happens and it totally startles me. Because I was expecting it, you know, it just comes out of nowhere. And I'm like, so they do really good with that. Um, it, it's kind of on the dark side. Just give you a fair warning on that. Right. A little on the dark side. But if you look at it from the viewpoint of story, it's interesting how they're weaving the story. And I just watched the ending of this last season and there was another whoa baby at the end that like, I can't believe they did that. So I will not give it away. So if nobody's watched it, <laughs> if you haven't seen it yet, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you've definitely moved it higher on my list yes. by just telling the pieces you've told me. It, it, it's very interesting and it's got a lot of twists and turns and that's why I liked it. And part of why I like watching it because it sparks my creativity to creativity. Easy for me to say, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, to help me figure out where I want to go. Cause I really want this novel to have some twists and turns that people are not going to expect. And I want it to be something like that. And, you know, cause real life does that to us, you know, maybe not mm -hmm. quite as in a prescribed manner, but um, you know, well, even the tragedy you lived through. I mean, who would have thought at three years old you would lose your parents, you know? Yeah. That's a that's a twist that nobody probably would have ever imagined when the day you were born that by the time you were three, your parents would be gone. So Exactly. Um, that's a, an important issue there to definitely keep the power of story going. And I think we've probably gone way off the track, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's always fun to listen to writers talk and if you're a writer and you're listening to this hopefully you are as ADD as we are and you like to go a couple different places and then come back <laughs> to where yeah. we were. We could probably have like a whole hour's conversation about different t television shows and movies that have great storylines and keep us guessing and all of that. Exactly but we were talking about writing routine and so yes 
I, all of that to say, I wish I could, I would love to sit in a cabin for about three weeks and hammer this novel out. But um, unfortunately, I don't even think I have a week right now. I'm like looking for a week in July or August that maybe there's somewhere I can go. Or actually some friends of ours have a house nearby that they're not always in. That I thought, you know, I could go over there because it would get, like you said, get me out of my area. And I won't be like going, I need to clean that. I need to fix that. I need to do that. <laughs> exactly. And just go over there and hang out during the day and get my writing done and then come back home at night, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> I, I, See, I love hotels for that reason is I don't have to be around all of the stuff I have to do or the things that I feel like I should be doing. And someone else is taking care of everything for me. Yep. The bed's made when I come back from breakfast or, you know, whatever it is, I can just focus on what I need to do. Or if the bed never gets made, it's okay. It doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly. Nobody else is there to care. Yep. So, well, what words of advice and encouragement do you have for either new writers or someone struggling to write their books? A lot of my listeners right now are relatively new to writing. So what encouragement do you have for them? One of the biggest things I've learned and I continue to learn is that you actually need to write all the time. The yeah. more you write, the better you get. Yeah. I think especially for new writers, we feel like it just sucks when we read what we've written and or it's not flowing or it's difficult. But the more you do it, words will come more naturally and thoughts will form more quickly. And all of a sudden something will click and the words will start flowing. Mm hmm. Now, I also think that if you believe that you have a story to share, write it out over and over and over again because new things will come out each time you do. Right. And then all of a sudden, I call it that you find your gift in your story. Whatever that turning point or piece of growth is, the transformation, right. when you find that, no matter how dark your story feels or how much you've struggled, when you find that gift, then you're ready to share it and you have something to give to someone else. And so you need to start sharing it. And then finally, just keep going. It's so easy to get discouraged, especially if you're trying to write 100 or 200 pages for a book or a novel like you're writing. Keep going because you never know who needs to hear what only you can say. Exactly. Definitely. I love that. And with your story, like you said, I love that idea. And, you know, we've talked about free writing. Write it out, write it out, write it out. It does evolve. And not that your story ever changed, but those, like you said, those nuggets of growth and wisdom start to, can be pulled out of there. Because here's the point of the power of story, I feel like, and you tell me what you think, is you want to help someone else going through something similar or having similar issues to help them. The, the point of a story never is just to say, hey, this happened to me. I mean, you know, well, you know what, Kelly, you are not the only person who lost their parents as a child. You know, there could, yeah. there could be lots of people who could say that. But what did you learn from that? How did you grow? How did it shape who you are as a person? That's what people need to know. Not necessarily that your story is, yes, it's horrific that it happened, but you want your story to have a point. And that's what I help my writers do is I help them figure out the point of what they're trying to write about. You know, what is it? Even like I have a lady who writes um, children's little children's book this back here. I'm, I'm pointing back here for those who, aren't on video because <laughs> um, <laughs> <Right. laughs> this is a podcast, but I'm pointing at Kelly C's, but I have a, a, <laughs> one of my clients has written one children's book and she's writing another, but they have a, there's a, a theme and a storyline to them. That's an adult theme, an adult storyline, you know, in this little story, the bird couldn't figure out what he wanted to do in his life. And he figured out what he wanted to do. Well, what adult hasn't had that issue? You know, we all yeah. want to figure out our, 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 what we are meant to be for. And I mean, for me, hopefully, you know, as I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do when I grew up, it was not just get up, go get a job and make some money and pay the bills and come home and clean house and raise a baby. And 
that's it. And, you know, I was like, um, I, I'm in my late twenties right after I had my son and I told you I was doing all that soul searching. Part of it was what in the world do you want me to do? Cause please tell me there's more to it than this. <laughs> you know? like, I knew in my heart there was something different and, and better that, that God wanted me to do, but it took me a long time to find it. I mean, I was 40 before I became serious about writing. So, yeah. You know, and it's never too late. No, it's not. I mean, I know a lady that's in her sixties is just starting to write, you know, and, and I think there was a lady in her seventies at the writing conference, you know, there's all ages in, you know, in your, it, obviously this is a podcast about writing, but not everybody's meant to be a writer. There may be something else that you're meant to do and you're meant to write about a part of it. Who knows? But if writing full time is your goal, if that's your dream, then definitely work on it. You know, work on the craft, work on it and don't give up. I mean, I've heard that more times than I can count from different people because I ask this question a lot of people I interview as well as just when I'm different places. And I've asked, okay, what encouragement would you give a new writer? And it's just don't give up. I mean, people, I've talked about this on the actually the past well the two episodes that the one that's being released tomorrow is 204 and we're on this is 205 so you know which day I'm recording this now <laughs> <laughs> and, and I recorded 206 today too and on the all three of them we I've talked about because Michelle um, and like Adams brought it up you know Frank Peretti and even other artists and writers he was turned down 36 times for his um, This Present Darkness uh, series. Have you ever read that? Have you ever heard of him? I have. It's, it's powerful, isn't it? And, oh, so powerful. And if, But think about this. 36 times he was rejected. Well, today, uh, I'm not going to give it away because Steve Lobby shares the rest of that story, so you'll have to listen to the next episode okay. to hear the rest <laughs> of that story. There's a little bit more to that. And I'm like, you see, don't give up. I mean, Stephen King was rejected many times, and he has a yeah. story in his, if you read his on writing, his memoir um, about writing and his his journey into writing, you know, we all think of Stephen King has always been the it king. You know, he is just, he's he's had it all. Well, no, he didn't. He came from poverty, and his mom, bless her heart, had to, deal with two little hellions for children <laughs> brother and him were always getting into some kind of trouble and um and he became this writer that i it's not a style that i enjoy but i admire his journey and, and he talks about it well he was rejected many times and there i can't remember now if it was a book or if it was an article he wrote but there was something he was rejected for and then eventually the person who rejected him for, I think it was a book, actually decided to accept it and, and publish it. So it always, there's always hope. And like we said before, it may not be the right time. It may, maybe you need to work on it some more. Maybe it's not the style of story or, you know, nonfiction book for that, either that publisher or the magazine or whatever it is, wherever you're trying to get published don't give up and, and rejection is just a part of the fabric of being a writer and you've got to learn how to handle that and if grow as a writer and, and then you know with your confidence you're a good writer just keep going and you'll find the right place at the right time and, and I think people think of writing as something that we should be good at right away because uh -huh. We grow up writing. But if you think about, say, a tennis player, let's talk about the Williams sisters, Venus and Serena Williams. Exactly. They did not win every single tennis match they've played. They're still not winning every single tennis match yeah, they yeah. play. It's going to, you're not going to make it into the finals. You're not going to, every time. You're not going to win every time you step up to the net. It's the same thing with anything we do. It takes time, it takes practice, and it takes being committed to it. Definitely, definitely. And I use the athlete analogy a lot. You know, Olympians at the Vanessa, and I'm sorry, what's her other name? Venus, right? 
Venus and Serena. Yes. Venus and Serena. See, see what I know. My sister, <laughs> my sister-in-law would slap me cause she's in tennis and she loves them. <laughs> but anyways, they did not wake up one day and said, Oh, we're going to be national winners and international winners at tennis. You know, they yeah. got it. There was blood, sweat, tears. There was coaching. There was mentoring. There was practice. And we need to yes. do the same thing that we need to have coaches and mentors and practice. And, and you know, that's what I do with my business is I coach people in the writing process and you can get mentors. And I, that's part of why I do this podcast, you know, essentially I can be your online mentor because, and I bring in other people that are further along than me or on different journeys than me. And it helps you see how writing can work in and how to work at your writing and what the ways to learn the business and the craft of writing. So always look at it as a way can you grow and give yourself the time to grow. And I mean, I don't, and you tell me, and I think it's similar to you, the biggest thing that helped me grow was blogging and just mm -hmm. writing with eyes that could see, you know, and, and, and even doing this podcast. And when I started coaching people with that has really helped my writing because I've had to dig in and really learn like, okay, what is this again? Um, <laughs> this is a unclear antecedent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but there's also a different commitment that comes with knowing that you're doing what you're doing for an audience. So that's like the blogging when you're blogging and you know, you're putting it out there and there's going to be an audience. Right. You are more committed. You read over it maybe a little bit more and find those mistakes, those edits, the things that don't make as much sense right now for me, it's more my podcast, but I write all my episodes unless I'm interviewing someone and they're sharing their story. And even then I ask them to have it written out so that they know where it starts and where it's going to go right. to find those gifts, that transformation. And it happens in music. It happens in dance. We have a dance teacher that my niece trains with. And my sister asked him several times to do a class for adults. And he's like, I will only do one if it is included in the end of your performance, because there is something about knowing you're going to be on this on a stage and performing or there's going to be an audience for what you're doing that raises your level of commitment. It does. It definitely does. When you know, and you know, being, writing on a blog is essentially being on a stage. There are eyeballs looking at your work and it, it takes a commitment and you do, you look at it differently. I know I did when, and I started becoming a lot more critical in a good way, you know, critiquing, okay, does this make sense? is it correct? You know, am I sharing correct theology? Am I sharing quotes correctly? That kind of thing. And just learning a whole new world. And so that really helped me become a better writer, speaker, everything. And it helps me with helping other writers because I know the things to look out for. And I know, you know, like sometimes and a lot of my writers are new writers, so they're learning the craft and they've got to understand, okay, I don't need a paragraph of you telling me the woman was got on a plane walking there and she's walking slow because she's sad. <laughs> and then she had to get off the plane and then she went to go see her mother who is in the hospital and she's dying from complications from Alzheimer's. Okay. That's great. She got on a plane, went and saw her mom. <laughs> well, yeah, think about how you would tell the same thing to a friend. You're not going to say, okay, so I stood in line waiting for them to open the door so that I could go walk down the jetway to find my seat on the plane. Like, you're going to truncate it and make, because everyone's been through it and right. everyone understands what that process is like getting on a plane, sitting on a plane, getting off a plane. Right. And there, and then if something happens in those instances that you're, you know, you bump into somebody and they, they're famous or you bump into somebody and they burst into tears because they're upset about something. And it wasn't necessarily that you bumped into them that upset up, but just that set off the emotions, whatever. If something happens, 
in that time. Yes, let's share that. <laughs> but exactly. But if, but the point is get to the point of the story because that's what your readers are waiting for. What where why are we on the plane? Well, that's great you're on the plane, but I want to know where you're going on the plane more than I want to know what happened there. You know, now it's one of those once even novel writing once you get to know a character, that might be an important part of the story. But until you are emotionally invested in the character, and this character could be a real person or a, you know, for nonfiction, or it could be a character in a novel and fiction, that until you get to know that person, you're not going to really care what they're doing. You want to know what, what they're doing and why they're doing it, not how they got there. Exactly. But... Well, thank you so much, Kelly. This has been so much fun, and I am glad that you're here, and we will have links to your Facebook page and your website. Are you going to do another conference on the Power Story anytime soon? Have you thought about that? I don't have anything planned at the moment. I've been focusing on the podcast and really trying to build an opportunity for people to share their stories in that way right now. And I will probably do a conference again in late 2019. Okay. I'm thinking that's what I'm looking at, but possibly some workshops around building your story or finding your story or what's your way of sharing your story yeah. well, in the meantime. Quick, um, about your podcast. Tell people really quick about that and we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. So my podcast is called Epic Exchanges, and it is about celebrating the power of our stories to really connect us to one another and build it and break down those walls that divide us. Mm-hmm. Really finding the ways that we can inspire one another. And like we've said earlier in the podcast, in your podcast today, uh, how to discover that we are more the same than we are different. Right. Definitely. Definitely. I love it. I love it. So, well, I look forward to listening to some more of your podcasts and you have a wonderful day and thank you for being on here. Thank you so much, Joyce. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you for joining me today on the Rhine Hour, nonfiction tips from the Rhine Coach. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and listen on your favorite app each week. Leave a review and let others know how they can learn about the craft and business of writing. It's time to write your book.